Now that Christmas is over and our minds are kind of looking toward the new year, we're doing the same thing that we do every year when we turn the calendar. We're, we're looking back at the past. We're sort of reviewing what has happened over this past year. And, and we all have feelings of, of hope and a desire to see relief from what we have experienced this past year, all of us in many ways. Um, and we're hopeful for that. And, and when we begin to, to look backwards, I think this is true every year, but especially this year, when we begin to look back and, and reflect on the past, it can be emotional. Uh, it's, um, there are some emotions that all of us share when we look back at, at, at 2020 and, and, and we're still sort of, we're still in the midst of what's going on. We, we can look around the room and, and see that that's true. Um, and it, it can be very emotional for some of us. There are many emotions that we all share together, right, that, that all of us identify with, but there are also lots of different stories. There's lots of different individual stories in this room. You guys that are watching at home, some of you aren't in here today because, um, because of the circumstances that we're in. And, and um, some of us have stories that aren't quite so bad. Maybe our stories are, have just been stories of inconvenience. And the Lord's been teaching us how to kind of get outside of ourselves and, and not complain and not be um, so bound to our own comfort as people. And, and that may be the, the biggest thing, the, your biggest takeaway from 2020. But for some of us, it's changed our whole life. It's taken people from us that we love very much. It's, um, it's completely put us in a place that we never thought we would be. It, it's, been, um, it's been earth-shattering for some of us. And so while there are emotions that we all share, when we look back at 2020, I, I, we have to acknowledge that there are some of us that look back and maybe say, you know what, it's just been inconvenient for me, but things have still been good. But for some of us, we look back and go, this has literally been the worst year of my life. Um, and I want us to think about 2020 in the context of, of story this morning. And you know why I think we love story so much? Like even, even when I preach or I, I tell a story... Like, you're more likely to remember stories than you are to remember anything. Like, stories capture our attention. Um, music that tells stories captures our attention. Um, and the reason I think we love stories so much is because that's the way we experience our life. You experience life through the lens and through the context of story. Um, it's the way we communicate our experiences to people. When you are sharing with somebody else your life experience, how do you do it? You do it in the context of a story, don't you? You start and you say, well, this is where it started. You have your own little once upon a time and you begin to tell your story. And so the way you express your life experience is in the context of story but the way we also receive other people's experiences is in the context of a story um and stories can very much be true sometimes stories are fictional and and we love fictional stories 
sometimes fictional stories can teach us about real life, but stories can be very much reality. So this morning, I just want us to think in the context of stories. We all love a good story, and we know what makes a good story and what doesn't. Uh, We've all experienced either reading a book or watching a television show or watching a movie and maybe getting to the end of it and going, that was a horrible story, (laughs) right? Or it's not even that the story was that bad, but that it just wasn't told well. Um, maybe the movie wasn't made well or the book wasn't written well and you had and and there were expectations for how the story was supposed to go that just didn't get met um if we think about our lives as a as a story as a true story uh we're coming to the end of 2020 and it's like we're turning a page right we're we're turning a page and and we're going into what we hope is going to be a new chapter But I want us to kind of think about the year and think about some things that are true in the context of story. And I want us to use Ecclesiastes 3 this morning for that. So um, if you'll look with me in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, very familiar passage of Scripture that everybody has heard before. I'm going to use the New King James Version this morning as we read verses 1 through 8 of Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Solomon writes Ecclesiastes, and he says, To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck what is planted, a time to kill and a time to heal, a time to break down and a time to build up, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing, a time to gain, and a time to lose, a time to keep, and a time to throw away, a time to tear And a time to sow. A time to keep silence. And a time to speak. A time to love. And a time to hate. A time of war. And a time of peace. Very familiar passage of scripture from from the wisdom book of Ecclesiastes written by Solomon. How many of you are, are... fiction story people how many of you like to read books that are fiction stories I wish I'd, I wish I was as avid of a reader as as some of you uh, Judy Graham always blows my mind because I think that lady can read a whole book in one day and 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 never miss a bit less than one day yeah just a matter of hours she can she can take it in and know it um, but how many of you when you're when you're reading a, a story in a book and you come across someone else who's reading the same book you are, does it make you excited? It does, doesn't it? When you find somebody who's reading the same story you are, you get excited. And what, what usually do you ask them? You might ask them the question, well, what chapter are you on? And, and that's one of the first things you want to know. Or even if they're watching a television series, like, oh, what episode are you on? What season are you on? Uh, that sort of thing. Um, 
we ask that because we're curious to know where they are in the story. And sometimes it's because we've already read the whole book and we just want to know where they are so that we can kind of relive that moment where we were in the same place they were anticipating what the story was going to be like. And, and so we ask that question because we, we, we want to kind of experience it with them. Sometimes um, it's because we haven't gotten as far as they are yet. Have you ever asked somebody that and they tell you that they're ahead of you? And then what do you say? No, oh, don't, don't tell me. Don't tell me anything. Uh, don't, we, spoilers. We hate spoilers. Don't, don't spoil the story for me. Um, we're curious about where they are in the story. Um, we we want to know maybe if if they've experienced a part of the story that was our favorite. If it's one that we've read before and we know there were particular places in the story that were huge. Like our favorite parts. Like, oh, have you gotten to this part? Have you seen this part yet? Because this part was amazing. Um, how close to the end of the story are they? Because the end of the story always reveals uh, something uh, that, that the whole book builds up to the end. Um, if, we, if we think about our life as a, as a story, and you were to think about your life, how would you divide your life into chapters? If you were to, if you were to take your life and put it in the context of a, of a book, a story... How would you split the chapters up? Maybe, maybe you would do it by age. You know, some of us would start telling our story, and I've even heard people say, "Well, it started in 1976, and I was born in this hospital, or whatever." Like maybe your story would begin, and you would divide the chapters by ages. Maybe it would be um, different life-changing events that would be the turn. Like where. Where does the story for you shift from from one chapter to another? And just think about it for a minute how would how would your book be written, and how would your chapters be divided? Maybe it, it, it's life events, maybe it's age, maybe it's it's just different seasons of your life. I mean, we go through our childhood and adolescence, and our young adulthood, and and our median adult or our senior adult years. You know, maybe maybe you would divide it that way. Um, I was thinking about that, and I wondered uh, how many of us would have one whole chapter dedicated to just this year. <laughs> like if you were trying to divide your story up into into chapters, man, you you may have one chapter just for this year because there's been so many things. When when King Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, it was a reflection. And, and we have to read the Ecclesiastes differently than we read other books of the Bible. There's very little historical narrative in Ecclesiastes. It's not a book that we read um, to get history from. Um, it, it's really a reflection of Solomon on his own personal journey. He's going back and he's recounting his life similar to the way we kind of do at the end of of a year, a new year, and he's recounting his life, and he's and he's going over the questions that have come up as a result of what he's experienced, and he's also sharing wisdom that he's gained from his life experiences, things that have been good and things that have been bad. It's it's very much um, almost like an autobiographical 
uh, reflection of Solomon on his life experience. He wrote it near the, near the end of his life. Um, and I just kind of think that, that maybe we do the same thing. Um, I think we can look at the, these verses here that, and, and draw some similarities from what Solomon says of his story and find out that th- there are some things that are also true for all of us in our stories. So um, there's, there's four things that I want to encourage you with this morning because you may be thinking of, you know, how would my life be written in a story and, um, and I don't know how you feel about that, uh, how, how, what kind of story you think you have, <laughs> whether you think your life would make a good story or whether you think it wouldn't. Um, but there are four things that I want to share with you, I, just, just devotionally and, and, and based on some things in this, in this text that I think can be true for all of us. So here's the first one. The story will always be messy. The story will always be messy because Ecclesiastes, the very first verse in chapter, in, in chapter 3, um, look at the first half of what it says. To everything there is a season. To everything. Um, when we read after verse 1, verses 2 through 8 is a list of all the ways Solomon's story has turned. And he's applying his experience to, to life in general and says there's a time, he's, it's just this huge list of there's a time for this and then there's a time for this. And each verse gives a huge contrast for how quickly and how drastically the story will turn. That all the circumstances, the, the seasons, the times that he talks about, it's really, really good and really, really bad. And he goes from one to the other. Positive, negative, really good, really bad. Times of great joy, times of great sorrow. Times of, of great pleasure in life, times of great pain in life. And he says for every one of those, there is a time. To everything, there is a season. I think, especially maybe sometimes as Christians, because we're in a relationship with God, we think that everything is supposed to be good. To everything, there is a season. He doesn't say to every good thing, there is a season. That would be true, too. But to everything, there is a season. For every experience that we have, not just the good, but the horrible not just the joyful, but the sorrowful, not just the pleasure, but the pain also. There's a season designated for that in our lives. Um, each example is very opposite, isn't there? And, and when he writes each of these opposites, he, it's like he gives us both ends of the spectrum but then there's lots in between, right? He says there's a time to be born and a time to die. Well, there's a lot that happens in that comma, in between the two, right? There's lots that experience between that we experience between the time we're born and the time we die. There's, there's a great story between those two things. 
And he says there's, there's a time for mourning and a time for dancing. Like we don't, we don't just go from one to the other in our life. We don't wake up born one day and, and die the next. Like we don't wake up mourning one day and then the next day we wake up and we're, and we're dancing and joyful. Like it's a, there's a movement between both of those spectrums. And we, and we move from one to the other. And the story will always be messy because there's a place for every part of the story. If you were to read, I mean, think about stories that you love to read. How interesting would the book be if everything that happened to the main character was good stuff? Like, you can't write a good story that way. Any, any author, anybody who studies literature... I'm pretty sure would tell you that, that that doesn't make for a good story. There's, there's joy, there's victory in, in the story, but, but for the joy, to, for you to experience the joy in the story, you've got to go through the tragedy with, with the people. And think about every good book that you've ever written, I mean, ever read. I don't know, some of you may have written some good books and we just don't know it. But think about not just the experience of, of the joy, but the tragedy. And the story wouldn't be the story without the tragedy, right? And it wouldn't be the story without the, the victory. Like there's a place, there's a season for everything. And if, and if we're living in one of those seasons, we have to know that one of the other ones are coming. If, if it's a time, if we're living in the time of mourning, Solomon says there's also going to be a time for dancing. And it's going to be a part of the story. Every part of all that we read in verses 2 through 8, that's all a part of the story. The question we kind of have to ponder is what, what piece of it are we living in right now? But it wouldn't be the story it's the good and the bad have to come together in the same way. And so our story is always going to be messy. We should never look at our lives as Christians and, and see the bad and go, oh, wow, this isn't supposed to be this way. Maybe it is supposed to be that way for the season because there is a season for everything, Solomon says. So the story will always be messy. Don't be surprised when it is, okay? Here's number two. The mess has purpose for the story. The mess has purpose for the story. Just like we said before, if you're reading a good book and the main character gets to this, this horrible circumstance, the author, the writer of the story doesn't put that in there just, just for the sake of anything, for nothing. Like there's, a, there's a purpose for it. And I think the same thing is true for us. Everything is not random. Everything is not left to chance. There's somebody writing the story. There's a, there's a designer in the story. And so whenever we come up on a mess, a tragedy, a, 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 a wrinkle in what we think is going to come about in the end, it, it, it's, it's not random. There's purpose for it. Um, when we did, um, the, the guys in the office did, I don't know how many of you have been listening to the Lindell Station podcast, 
I hope that you have. It's fun. The last one that we did, uh, we did a Christmas movie draft, the four of us on staff, and we basically drafted uh, what we thought were our, some favorite Christmas movies, and, and we each picked four movies, and we had different categories. And when we got to the last movie, um, I, I, most of the other ones that I had thought of had been picked already, and so I picked a movie called Serendipity. And I don't know uh, how many of you have ever seen or heard of that movie, um, but the other guys, there was, a, there was a funny moment on the podcast because when I picked it, all the other three guys went, uh, I don't know what that is. <laughs> and so I was dating myself, and I, it, it's also kind of a chick flick, and so um, I was going out on a limb picking that movie. But the, um, the main story of that movie is about two people who meet and they, they attempt to try to put their um, relationship that, that starts with just a couple of hours of meeting and, and you know, they, they meet by accident, their sparks fly, they, and, and so they decide to make the choice to leave their relationship to fate or to destiny which is ironic, and the irony of the story is this. Rather than actually put their relationship into the hands of destiny and fate as they see it, the whole movie is about the two of them trying to change their circumstances to try to figure out if they're supposed to be together. If there's an irony in the story, they say, let's leave our relationship up to fate and chance, but yet the entire movie, when it gets... They're, they're constantly doing things and, and acting and putting things into motion themselves to try to come up with a certain outcome rather than just leaving it up to fate and chance. Um, and I mention that because I think people have this idea of, of fate and chance that things just happen. I think, I think the word serendipity just sort of means like an, a fortunate accident. Something that just happens, and it just happens to be fortunate. That's not really in the plan, in the system of what we see in Scripture. There, is no, there are no fortunate accidents or unfortunate accidents. There is, there is purpose. And so the mess has purpose for the story. It's not that we live our lives and we come into a mess in our lives, and God just looks and goes, oh, wow, I didn't see that coming. That stinks for you. Like, he's, he's putting a, a story together, and there's a purpose for the mess. Um, the second half of verse 1, he says, there's, for everything there's a season, and a time for every, what? New King James uses the word purpose. A time for every purpose. So that tells us that all of those things in verses 2 through 8, the good and the bad, there's purpose wrapped up in every one of those things. Not just the good things, but the bad things. Um, Every piece of the story has a purpose, and the purpose is determined by the desire of the storyteller. I mean, think about the author of a book. The one who writes the book decides how the story goes, right? God is, God is writing the story. And so in every season, 
there's a purpose. And, and that word purpose, that Hebrew word for purpose, is also translated sometimes pleasure or desire. You say, well, who's, who's pleasure and who's desire? The one who's writing the story. It's God's purpose. So there is, a, there is a purpose for everything. God, as the author of the story, he is determining the plot of the story, the length of the story, and the outcome of the story. Because he's writing all of it. Aren't you glad he's writing it and not you? Now, you may leave out some of the bad stuff, but I'm pretty sure you wouldn't be able to write a better ending than he does. Um, the mess that was 2020 uh, may be one of the darker chapters of the story that we're living through. Some of us may be thinking, wow, if my life is a story, uh, 2020 is one of those, is that chapter of, of tragedy for many of us. Um, but the dark parts have a purpose for the story just like the bright parts. So... The story is always going to be messy. There's always going to be good and bad. And the story is always going to go back and forth between the two, like Solomon says. But for every part, the good and the bad, there's purpose. There's a purposeful storyteller behind all of those things. Okay? So here's the third thing. Each chapter prepares us for the next. The story's always going to be messy, but all of the mess in the story has intentional purpose. And each chapter is always going to prepare us for the next. The story moves from chapter to chapter, doesn't it? That's why you don't pick up a book and start in chapter 5. Because you need chapter 1 to be able to move into chapter 2. And you need chapters 1 and 2 to be able to move into chapter 3. Um, each chapter is preparing us for the next thing. Sometimes in a book we see, um, we see our early chapters of the story are about training. Like the, the character is going through something in the early chapters that's preparing them for something they're going to have to do later, right? Um, sometimes what we see in the early chapters is like foreshadowing of an event that's going to take place later and we don't see it then but once we get into chapter 11, 12, 13, then we look back at chapters 2 and 3 and go, wow, there, there, there it was. I saw it. It was, it was there. Um, each chapter of the story is connected to move us through the story, to move us from one point to the next. And I think the same thing is true for our life. Every chapter of our story 2020 is a chapter that has to be in our story and you may be thinking why didn't God just leave that one out why couldn't he have just written written that differently or or just can we tear this chapter out of our story because I just want to forget about it well we can't because there's something happening in this chapter that's making us ready for something that's going to happen later. I just know it. 
It, like it's it's got to be every 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 story is written that way. And if the mess always has purpose, then there's a purpose for this messy, crazy, mixed up, nuts year that we have had. And you go, well, I don't know what the purpose of it is. Of course you, of course you don't know because you're not far enough along in the story. But every chapter builds on each other. Every chapter that we live through is preparing us for the ones that are coming. And so, what might God be preparing you to do in the next chapter? Like if the end of of this year is like turning a page and going to a new chapter, what might be waiting in the next chapter? What might be something that God is doing? in the story how is he preparing you for something that's going to happen in the next chapter or two chapters or three chapters away are y'all with me are y'all tracking with me okay i want to make sure i'm not talking just over everybody's heads and like what are you talking about here because that chapter of 2020 whether, whether we like it, it's the messy one. It's, it's the messy, probably maybe one of the messiest chapters in the story so far, but it's there because it's moving the story along. And it's, it's got to be there. All right, so here's the last one. This is number four. And this is probably the most important one to remember. As you look back at 2020 and you're thinking about all of these things, like we have to think big picture here. Because if we just get caught in the one chapter of 2020 and we think that's the whole story, we're going to get depressed and we're going to put the book down because it's a horrible story. So we got to look at everything. So the story's always going to be messy. The story, the mess in the story has purpose. Each chapter prepares us for the next. And here's the fourth thing that I think is the most important. The story is not about us. It's not about you. you. You may think that this story that you find yourself being a part of is about you. And if you closed the book and looked on the cover, your picture would be on it. That it's the story of Eric. Or it's the story of, of whoever. Like you think, and, and, and we kind of want to put ourselves as the main character of the story. But we're not the main characters of the story. The life that you're living, the story that's being told through your life isn't about you. And that's a good thing. God's the main character of the story. He is the central figure and everything, every part of the story as it moves is all about him. The thing that makes us want to take God out of the center of the story and put ourselves there is sin. The sin in us is what wants, is what motivates us to want to make ourselves the center of the story. But we're not. Uh, Colossians chapter 1, I want to read verses 16 through 18 to you. And again, another familiar passage but something to help us remember the centrality of, 
of God in the story that, that we're walking through. Verse 16, for everything was created by who? Him, not you. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through and for, not me, not you. Who is before all things? And by all things hold together. By him, all things hold together. Every chapter, every line, every mess, every victory, every sorrow of the story, all of it is held together by him. Verse 18. He is also the head of the body, the church. Not, not me. Not you. Who is the beginning? He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he might come to have what? First place in what? Everything. Do you see it? It's right there. That this is the this is the synopsis of the whole story that's in the jacket. When you pick the book up off the shelf and you open up the jacket and you read the little blurb that's on the cover there to read and say this is what the story's about, this is it. Everything is about him. The whole story is written by him. It's for him, it's for his pleasure, it's his story to tell, and he's writing every detail of it. And, and when it, at the beginning it's all about him, and at the end it's all about him, and everything in the middle is all about him. So, God is not only the author of the story, he's also the main character of the story. <laughs> he's writing it, but it's, it's a story all about him. And I think as we're looking back at, at 2020, the question that I've pondered and that I want to challenge you to think about is, whose story have you told in 2020? Whose story have you been telling? Yours? Has, has the last chapter you've been living through, has that, has that been the story of you? Because that's what sin will do. Sin will make us take God out of the center of the story and put us there and make the story all about us. But there's a story that all of us are advancing. There's a story that each of us are moving in the choices we make, the way we live our life. And the question is, whose story are we advancing in the world? Is it ours? Or is it his? Because all of it's his. The whole story is his. Maybe we're guilty of making 2020 about us. And I'm afraid maybe that in some ways all of us are. In some ways we've taken everything that we've 
experienced in 2020. And at some point, we've taken God out of the center of it and we've put ourselves there and we've made it all about us. What we like and what we don't like and what we've experienced and, and, and the way we wish things were. And I get that. But I think it's important that we that we go back to that number four, that every the story that God is telling in the world, and he is telling a story, and it's a great story. But we're not the middle of it. Some of us may get to the end of 2020 and we're thinking, I wish I could just rewrite it. Um, because I, don't, I didn't like it. I didn't like how it read. I didn't like the things that happened in the story and I want to just either rip that chapter out of the book or I want to go back and and rewrite it. And there may be some of us who look back at it and think, I've gotten to the end of 2020 and this chapter was so horrible I'm just going to close the book and put it on the shelf and I don't want to read anymore. Please don't do that. Don't stop. Don't stop engaging in the story of God that is being told in the world. Keep going. You know why? Because there's another chapter after this one. And I'm also not promising you that the next one's going to be better. It may not be. Has that ever happened to you before when you're reading a story? You get to the end of one chapter and you go, wow, the story can't get any worse And then what happens in the next chapter? It gets worse. That may be what we're going for, y'all. I don't know. But you know what? There is a freedom and a joy of knowing who's writing the story. I don't have to worry about it. It's not up to me to write the next chapter because it's not my story. It's his I think there's another chapter. There's another chapter coming for you. There's another chapter coming for this church. There's another chapter coming for this country. It may be better. It may be worse. And the thing we can know, and we'll wrap up with this, the thing that we can know, we don't know what the next chapter is going to be like, or what the chapter after that's going to be like, or what the chapter after that's going to be like, but we do know, we do know the ending already. And y'all, the ending is good. The ending is all good. And how God is going to have to move the story to get to there, we don't know. But, but it's going to get there. And so let's do everything we can to keep him at the center of the story and not take it over for ourselves. He's faithful. He's, he's been faithful, and he's going to keep being faithful. So be encouraged by that this morning.